All right, we're going to be there in the book of Jonah, so if you've got your Bibles open to that, good. Uh, we're going to be talking about this story just a little bit as we continue to think about the mission that God has given us in our lives. Uh, we've, we've been looking at this last week. We looked at the story of Samuel. We saw how in that story God made it very clear that he wanted to save his people uh, as he, saved, he brought Samuel into life and then he used him as a tool, as a weapon to bring about the obedience of his people. And how Samuel was willing to step out in a very dark world, a dark society, and speak the truth to the hearts of the people. And they responded in a positive way. Uh, and we talked about how that indicates for us that if God is with us in our mission to go out and to seek and save the lost in a very dark world, then it's possible. It's possible for the kingdom of God to become a flourishing garden with, uh, with many tr fruit-bearing trees. It's possible for all these people who are around us, who are lost in darkness, to be found, to come to the knowledge of the truth and to submit with all their hearts and be obedient. It's possible for God to be glorified through the working of us. Many times we may not feel like it's possible, but God shows us over and over again, all things are possible through him. The mission of God that we have is, is the most important mission in our lives. Do we see it as that? Do we see it as the most important thing that we could possibly do? Uh, if you're like me, maybe you feel as though it is the most important thing, but at the same time, it's just really hard to uh, keep it as the main focus and to keep it as the priority because there's all these things going on in our lives that are pulling us away. You can just imagine yourself sitting in a room that is your comfortable room where you love to just go and to sit and to be at peace and you're surrounded by all of your comfortable things and, and you've got uh, every, every creature comfort. Maybe you're surrounded by people who make you very comfortable and you're just enjoying it and it's, it's, it's nice. But over in the corner, there's a door that's just cracked open. And you know that on the other side of that door, there's something unknown. There's something that possibly can be very uncomfortable. But you know that on the other side of that door, there's something that's worth the discomfort. That there's someone out there who needs you to walk through that door of discomfort in order to find them and bring them into a sense of peace, a sense of love, a sense of salvation. And all of us, we sit in our comfort and we see the door and we have to make the decision to walk through it. And that's not an easy thing for us to do, but uh, that's what we must choose to do. And so we're going to talk about our comfort a little bit. We're going to talk about what's on the other side of that door the mission that God has given to us and how critical it is for us to walk through the door instead of sitting and maintaining our comfort in our life. If you look at the story of Jonah, really this illustrates this idea that our mission is critical uh, and that we sometimes struggle with uh, staying in, in our comfort zone and resisting the things that are really uncomfortable, resisting the things that we may not want to do. As you, as you open up the book of Jonah, you see that uh, God tries to shake things up in the life of Jonah. He, he gets him very much out of his comfort zone by saying to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. That's the door that he opens for Jonah. You got to go to Nineveh. Nineveh, the, the, the main city, the biggest city in the world at that time, the, the capital of the strongest and fiercest 
and most evil army that has roamed the earth until that time. A place that's known for housing murderers and rapists and torturers of various different kinds. And that's the place that God says, I want you to go, Jonah. Now, if you're like me and you're, you're like anybody who's normal, uh, you feel like Jonah feels like, I don't want to go there. That doesn't sound fun to me. That doesn't sound interesting to me. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm happy here in Israel. Jonah was actually a prophet who uh, spoke to the king of Israel, and he, was, he thought he might could do more benefit just sitting where he was. But uh, God wanted him to go to Nineveh. Well, Jonah says, forget that, and he decides to take the ship to Tarshish. That, that phrase has got to be ingrained in your mind after Ken's lesson last year, right? He decides to take the, take the ship to Tarshish. He's gone. He's, he's getting away from God. He's going to try to escape because Nineveh is the last place he wants to be because Nineveh is a place of discomfort. Could be extreme discomfort in the, in the form of torture, and he doesn't want anything to do with that city. Have we ever felt this way about speaking to people about the gospel? And God tells us to go and to, to spread the good news, to proclaim the gospel to people who are all around us. And, and yet, uh, a lot of times, maybe there's people that we look at and we feel as though that would be really painful. <laughs> that could open me up and be, make me vulnerable and exposed to some kind of pain and suffering if I were to try to, uh, to open that door because maybe we've never discussed spiritual things with someone and maybe we're not sure exactly how that's going to go. And maybe we value that relationship we have with them so much that we can't breach that conversation and bring that up. And it's a, it's a fear that's inside of us. Notice there's some kind of fear overtaking Jonah. Maybe it's the, the, the nature of the people in Nineveh that is the problem. Maybe it's he doesn't want to, uh, to be up there helping anybody else with anything. You know, that's not his, his focus. He's focused on Israel. He's focused on his people. He don't want to help other nations. But maybe, as we're going to see later throughout this, he doesn't want God's mercy to be given to people who he deems unworthy of it. And that's what we're going to see is really at the heart of it. He is afraid of, of them being saved from destruction. He's probably been praying for them to be destroyed for some period of time because of the evil that they've done, maybe to his own people, maybe even to his own family. And so he doesn't want them to be saved. So he's got some kinds of fears inside of him, and we also might have fears inside of us. Preventing us from speaking and talking to other people. But just as God calls Jonah out of his comfort zone and asks him to do something really, really hard to him, God calls us as well out of our comfort zone and into something that may be really, really hard for us. And we, like Jonah, might flee that responsibility. We might want to take the ship to Tarshish. We might want to get out of town. We might want to go the other direction and just or act like it doesn't exist, like it's not even something that God really wants me to do, but he does want us to do it. And as Jonah's on the ship, you know the story. The st God hurls a storm at the ship and, and everybody's upset and Jonah eventually is found out and he says, you got to throw me overboard because God, who, who I'm running from, has come after me. 
God ran after Jonah. God wasn't going to just let him escape. He wasn't going to just let him run away from the calling that he's been given. He ran after Jonah, and he came to him, and he, 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 he allowed him to be cast into the sea, allowed him to be humbled, to come to the realization that he was wrong, and gave him some time to reflect on the things that he'd done. In my mind, that's, that's a very interesting showing of grace. Sometimes we need that grace. Maybe you're, you know, you're thinking about so-and-so who you've wanted to talk to forever, and you've never talked to them, and you feel guilty about it, and that guilt is just weighing down on you. And, and you know, your resistance to that has resulted in some guilt in your life, and, and maybe it's resulted in some other kinds of pains and sufferings because this person hasn't yet been converted or, or something like that, or you've just not broached the subject or not let it be known how you feel about these spiritual things. God is pursuing you in the weight of guilt, in the, the struggle and the pain that you're going through. He's trying to give us all a wake-up call trying to help us to open our eyes. And that is grace that God is showing to us. That he wouldn't just say, okay, well, you don't want to be my child, then you're not my child anymore. But he would say, no, you're my child. I want you. I'm coming after you. That's what he did for Jonah. And that's what he does for us. And he tries to give us a wake-up call. And Jonah was thrown off the ship, and he's down in the water, and he's drowning. He cries out for God to help him. And God sends a, a fish, a big fish, to swallow him. Can you imagine how scary that would be? Can you imagine being in the depths of the sea, running out of air, and all of a sudden, everything goes black, and you're surrounded by wet tissues <laughs> and organs and and. You're moving through the water, but you're not moving, and it's just, I mean, just imagine how that felt, slimy, sticky. I mean, what was that like? And completely dark, and you hear the animal that's moving, and you're stuck inside there for three days. Three days. Barely move. All you can do is think, and all you can do is pray. God came after Jonah, and he helped him to understand his situation. He helped him to understand the situation that the people in Nineveh were in. That, that they are going to be cast down into the pit, is the way that he puts it. They're going to be taken down into Sheol, and, and it's not going to be good. There's not going to be any light there. There's not going to be any joy or rejoicing or enjoyment in the place of death for those who've been disobedient and who have, who have refused to do what God wants them to do. God let Jonah experience it a little bit so that he could get his mind right and understand that this is not a place he really wants to be. And it's not a place that anybody else should want to be either. That we should want anybody else to be. So Jonah prays and he recognizes his failure and he remembers God is a God of salvation and he with faith says, I will once again return to the temple and praise you and offer up my vow to you and I will be obedient. He submits to God's will. Well, have we ever 
been through some kind of a storm, some kind of a situation that really just breaks us and helps us to, to remember that we're not where we're supposed to be. We're not doing what we're supposed to be. Life is not the way it's supposed to be. The mission of God is not our mission, but our mission has become something totally different. Maybe it's self-preservation, kind of like Jonah well, we have to understand that God is doing that because he loves us. He wants us to, to get a taste of what the disobedient feel so that we would res- respond in repentance and come out of that. And like Jonah, we have to understand that we need to come out of that with the message that God is gracious. And it's a critical message for everyone who's lost to hear. If you felt the weight of your sins, you felt the guilt, you felt the situation of being in a lost state, and you felt the fear of remaining in that state and and enduring eternal condemnation, you felt that fear, and you've experienced the salvation that God has granted to you, then you understand it's critical for you to help others escape that. It's critical. It's critical for all of us to go out and to share the message that God has has provided the good news of his grace and his salvation that we know is available to all through Jesus Christ. And so Jonah, Jonah in his reflections, is hopefully helping us and serving us well as, as we remember the God of salvation, of our salvation, who has saved us and redeemed us and brought us out of all the scary situations that we've been in in the past, who has saved us and provided the forgiveness that we experience through Jesus Christ. We need to take the, those reflections in. We don't need to go back into the whale, hopefully, uh, in order to come to that realization. Hopefully we can just see what Jonah's going through and say, okay, I gotta, I, I'm, I'm heading down the wrong path again. i got to get back on the right track. And whenever Jonah does that, he gets on the right track, what he does has an impact. In chapter 3 of Jonah, we read about him going to Nineveh after being spit out by the great fish. And he goes throughout the city. In verse 4, it says, Jonah began uh, to go into the city, going a day's journey, he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And it says, The people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. So Jonah goes to Nineveh as he's commanded this time. And he goes and he preaches this message and these horrible Ninevites, these these wicked, wicked people who've done so many awful things, who maybe Jonah was terrified of approaching with the gospel, it turns out they were oblivious. They didn't know, or they didn't understand, or maybe they understood and they kind of knew a little bit, but nobody had outright told them. And so God tells them. And in this, we see that God is, is gracious. He gives people the opportunity to repent before bringing judgment on them. He gives them a chance. Maybe you're here this morning and, and this is your chance. This is maybe it. And you have to make the decision. But at some point in their lives, they're given a chance and they have to make the decision. He's not going to bring condemnation on somebody who's never heard. He's going to make sure they hear. And so he gives them a chance. But the amazing thing is, they repent. These wicked, evil people repent. 
And this is why it's so important for the message to go out, for us to share the gospel, because you really never know. You really never know who's going to listen and obey and who's not. The people who seem most likely to obey may completely reject the truth. And yet the people who seem so enwrapped in all of their wickedness may understand how horrible that is and how guilty they are and how deserving they are of punishment. And they may inside be longing for someone to come and tell them it's wrong, for someone to come and tell them there's hope for you. If you'll just repent, you can be forgiven. And Jonah fulfilled that mission. We see God's compassion, that he has tremendous compassion and mercy toward an extremely, extremely wicked people. And we see God's sovereignty to bring about the telling of the truth to these wicked people. He's going to make it happen. What I find really fascinating in all of this is God could have just forced one of their priests or their prophets to say all these things. But he says no. God could have sent an angel down to say all these things and brought all kinds of fire from heaven to kind of demonstrate that he is really saying the truth. But God didn't do that either. God chose in his sovereignty, in his power over creation, to send the fish to save Jonah, to bring Jonah out on the dry land and to send him in, even though he is an Israelite and not a Ninevite, to give the message to the Ninevites. So you see his sovereignty. You also see his compassion. And if God is willing to be so compassionate with such a wicked people, how should we be? You know, sometimes we say things like they got what they deserved or we kind of relish in the punishment of someone who's wicked and evil. We, we wish evil sometimes on other people, maybe. You ever done that? You ever felt that way, maybe about politicians or, or news people or anybody who, who has betrayed you or done something wrong against you? Well, think about all the evil of these Ninevites. How, many, how much wickedness they have done against God and his creation. How much destruction they've done. How many innocent babies they've killed and, and women and, and children and everybody that they've, they've murdered and they've tortured and they've raped and they've done all these wicked things too. And here is God saying, I'll forgive you. I think sometimes we allow the world's thinking to influence us instead of seeing that our God really just wants everyone to turn from their wickedness and be saved. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. None. There's no joy for him in destroying. He created. And he had a plan and he has a mission for salvation. For men and women everywhere to turn from their wickedness and love him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength. And to start loving others as themselves. That is God's mission. That is God's desire. His innermost desire. And if we experience his salvation. Then that must be our desire as well. We must put his will ahead of our own. As you look at the story. It doesn't end with that happy ending. Oh Nineveh repented. Everybody's happy. Everybody's saved. How wonderful it is. 
No, the focus goes back to Jonah in the scripture reading. We see Jonah decides he's going to uh, stick around. He witnessed the turnaround. He saw everybody repenting, and he said, well, that's not good. (laughs) I wanted these people to be destroyed. He has this hatred in his heart, and we can understand that. Hopefully we can understand that. We think about someone raping and murdering and all this kind of stuff. We can understand the desire for them to be destroyed, for them to suffer, that, that is within, within Jonah. His, his feelings as though God's not just maybe in some way because he's allowing for the forgiveness of these people. And so he's pretty angry about all this, and so maybe we can understand that. But as we read this, you know, it's kind of interesting because Jonah had decided to go there, you know. There was this turnaround that came about back in chapter 2 whenever he realized he is as wicked as those Ninevites because he's rejected God, he's disobeyed, he's run away from God's will, just like they've run away from God's will. And he asked for forgiveness and he asked for mercy, recognizing how merciful and compassionate God is, and God saved him. And here he is, harshly judging these people, saying, God shouldn't save them, though they've repented just like he has. And so Jonah sets up his tent, and he's going to sit there and watch for the 40 days to end, and he's hoping and praying that God will bring about destruction. And while this is happening, the story tells us about a little plant. God allows a little plant to come up and to provide him with shade, and Jonah's now feeling pretty good about himself. Like, this is kind of pleasant. This is kind of nice. I'm kind of comfortable right now. I just get to sit back and enjoy the show. Obviously, God loves me. Look, he's providing me this wonderful shade plant, and I just get to sit back and watch these people get what they deserve. And then God provides a worm. Again, God's sovereignty. He has control over this big fish. Now he has control over this little bitty worm. And this worm eats the plant and causes this plant to shrivel up. And he, he brings this heat from the sun and a scorching wind that just makes Jonah miserable. And he gets angry. He says, kill me. I just want to die. There's no reason for me to live. And then God has this interesting conversation where he asked Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? He says, yes, I do well to be angry, even angry enough to die. And God says, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. Notice how Jonah's perception is just completely and utterly self-focused. He cares about the plant. That plant's a big deal to him. (laughs) That comfort is a big deal to him. And he doesn't really care about other people. He just cares about the plant. He cares about himself. Do we have any plants in our lives? Do we have anything that we're really concerned about, that we're really focused on, that if we lost, we would lose it? I mean, we would just go nuts. We'd say, it's not even worth living anymore. 
You know, just, just take my life, Lord. You took that away from me. Just take my life. It's over. Do we have something like that? Do we recognize how self-centered that is? Our focus is completely wrapped up in ourselves. It's easy. It's easy for us to be just like Jonah, to have that level of just self-focus and self-centeredness all the while there are lost souls out there. We sit in our comfortable room, and outside that door are souls longing for peace and comfort. God cares about them. We may not care about them, but God does. And so this is our mission. It's a critical mission. There are people out there that we're supposed to love and we're supposed to care about. And that's what this story's about. It's about loving and caring for people. For the lost souls who are all around us. Who are oblivious to the darkness that they're in. They don't know their right hand from their left. They don't understand the truth about the sin that they've been committing that makes them worthy of death. The world has given them a narrative that says, you're a good person, and God surely would not condemn you. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter how increasingly evil society becomes. Everybody's a good person, and God would never send anybody who is a good person in our society who meets our standards to hell, because God's standards are going to be our standards. And yet, that is completely and utterly false. God's standards are God's standards. And we can't change God's standards to meet what we want it to be. We can't claim to be good if God says we're evil. We can't justify ourselves. And so we must learn to reach out to the people around us who are oblivious to the truth of their situation. And we have to have a heart like God's heart that loves them and cares about their souls. We need to have empathy. We need to have understanding. Remember, they don't know. They don't understand. And they're, they're struggling with a lot of false things that have been taught to them in the past. And we have to be patient with them. And we have to listen to them and understand where they're coming from, what they understand, and why they understand it. We need to ask questions to get into that so that we can help them to rectify all of those misteachings. And we have, to, we have to do this now. We have to do this now. We have to be actively engaged in this mission right now. Maybe you start the development of the relationship right now. Maybe that's what you do right now. You start the development of a relationship that's deeper than surface level. So that you can open up to them about spiritual things. Maybe you take up a new hobby to connect with them a little bit deeper. Maybe you make more time for other people and less time in your comfort zone. You reach out and ask the difficult questions once the relationship has been developed. 
But whatever stage you're, you're going to be at with whoever you're going to be at that stage with, you need to understand that this mission doesn't stop with them. You work it out, you try, you share the gospel, you share the spiritual truths with them, they don't accept it, you move on to the next. Your, your mission is not to save. Your mission is to share. Just like Jonah, he just walked through the city and told people the truth. And he didn't save anybody. But God did, because God sent him. God is ultimately the one who gets the glory for that. He's the one who's responsible. And if they wouldn't have listened, then Jonah would have just been just as obedient as he was when they listened. He would have fulfilled the mission that God had given him to do. By proclaiming the truth to them and them refusing it and being condemned, God is fully justified in condemning and destroying. And so everybody around us that we share the truth to, don't tie up your obedience to their obedience. Your obedience is sharing the truth. Their obedience is listening. We want to work on our ability to share the truth in a very empathetic and loving and caring way. We want to become better at listening and understanding and then speaking the truth. But really, ultimately, their decision is their decision. We just want to be actively engaged in those conversations consistently for the rest of our lives. Working and working and working. The more, we can, the more people we can talk to, the more relationships we can make, the more opportunities will be made available to us. Because this is a critical mission. And we're not doing this alone. You need to remember that. You're not alone. You may not hear about or know about the working of your brethren around you, but rest assured knowing they're going through the same struggles as you are. When I was younger, I was trying to share the gospel with everybody, and I felt like nobody around me was doing that. As I've grown older, connected with more Christians, I've come to understand every single one of you Every single one of you have someone that you're mindful of. Maybe you're not actively engaged right now and you're sitting in your comfort zone. But it breaks your heart if you know. And I want to encourage you to know your brothers and sisters are here for you. Talk to somebody about what you're going through. Ask for advice. Ask for encouragement and get engaged again because they are. And they don't want to do it alone. They want to know that you're going through the same things. And share your suffering. Share your trials. Share your failures. Share the, the instances when you shared and that's what you did. That was success, but they didn't listen. That's not a failure on you, but that's a failure on them. But share your struggles and failures to share. Went to the coffee shop, saw somebody with an open Bible, didn't talk to them. <laughs> Whatever it is, share. We can encourage one another. And then we can pray for one another to have strength and boldness to speak the truth. And we ought to be doing that as well. We ought to be praying to God about our own struggles and asking God to help us. You're about to go and have a, the most difficult conversation you could ever imagine having with someone who you love. You're going to just do it. Well, pray first. 
every time. Pray first. Don't forget that important, that vital step in knowing that God is going to be with you and help you to say what needs to be said. May not end up resulting in a positive outcome, but God will be with you and you can feel assured in that. This is the most critical mission that we'll ever engage in. And this is why we've been saved. If you've experienced the salvation of God, if you've received his grace, you know what it's like to be in the lost state. Don't forget that. Don't get so far past your time of being lost that you forget how that felt. Remember it. And take it with you and notice all those around you who need his salvation. If you're here today and you need his salvation, you need his forgiveness, you've not been living for him, you've not been serving him or submitting to him, maybe it is that you've never submitted your heart to him or your life to him, and you know that you need to do that before it's eternally too late. Can we help you with that? There's so many, so many things that uh, you can do with his help, with his encouragement. You could be totally transformed. All the sinful things that you think you could never do without, you can get away from those things. You can become who God has created you to be. We're here to help, but God is going to be with you, and he's going to be there to help you as well. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything prevent you today from coming forward and giving your life to Christ. He died for you so that you could be forgiven and so that you could go share this good news with everybody else. Please come as we stand and as we sing.